0: I'm Helani Ellis, and this is the Exceptional Admins Podcast, where I invite admins, executives, and influencers to come together in an intimate setting. The world for administrative professionals doesn't just involve basic tasks. It includes an array of requests, challenges, and triumphs. During each episode, you'll be a witness to candid conversations and hear and join in on many, many laughs. And for those that know me, it wouldn't be complete without thought-provoking moments. The distinguished guests sharing time with us during each episode believe in the admin profession and have much to contribute to the greater good of executives, their admins, and organizations. Now, let's get to today's topic. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to share with you today one of my favorite resources. I personally use this product. I've been using it for many, many years, and I'm here to promote self-care, something we should all be thinking about. Rawdan and Fields. It's a skincare line. You've probably heard of it. It was founded by two amazing women, dermatologist experts, in 2000, and they are continually building a product line that invests in male female and teens and I'm sharing this product with you today because it's really important that we remember self-care sometimes it's just realizing that you've put wonderful cream under those dark eyes you've boosted those lashes with their lash boost or maybe you've got just a bit more glow in your skin I highly suggest that you check them out. And I'm also bringing forward my girl, my girl Morgan, who takes care of me and she's been doing it for many years with the different products that they have in their product line. Morgan can be found at M-O-R-G-A-N-C-O-H-A-R-A dot M-Y-R-A-N-D-F dot com. So check her out. She's also on Instagram sharing a lot of great stories there. Tell her I sent you and enjoy. Six. Okay. Good to know. Thank you.
1: So my emotional energy is fear.
0: Mm. And what I would
1: say to my younger self is fear does not protect you.
0: Welcome everyone to another episode here at Exceptional Admins. I'm honored to have my guest today who is an introduction from a mutual friend and she brings just a wealth of knowledge in the space of HR, in Enneagram, which so many people are starting to hear about. My guest today is Hen DeYoung. She's got a lot of years uh, and the last seven have been you know, running her own executive coaching practice. So Everyone pull up a chair, get ready to listen in. She's going to have some great wisdom. And I remember from our first call, just some really new words uh, that are great when we have these interactions, be it you guys listening and me being the interviewer, hearing how people describe what they're doing and the words that they use to do that. So I'm excited to hear some of uh, the things that she has to share with us today. So Hen, thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, Helani. So good to be on your podcast. I'm really honored to be here. Um, my career started off as an executive assistant. And, you know, that portion of time is very dear and near to me because I learned so much and it equipped me to be where I am today. And so it's an honor to be here and to be able to assist your audience and you.
0: Thank you. I Let's dig into that part from your EA, which is neat. And then you joined in the HR realm of organizations. I'd love to hear Uh, for maybe even some of those that are thinking is staying in the EA role for me forever? And what are potentials outside of leaving the EA role to maybe go to HR if they find that that lights them up? Walk us through your journey uh, with that EA role, and then where you kind of started spending more of your time in the corporate space.
1: Yeah, you know, um, the executive assistant work is something that I had aspired to when I was going to college. And, um, and so that's where I started my work. That's my job out of, um, out of college. And that's what I did um, you know, for many years. I think it was just like, I think I counted one time. I think it was like 10 years. And honestly, that was my career. I didn't have any um, desire to do anything outside of it. I loved uh, the strategy. I loved understanding how decisions were made at the very top of the organization. I enjoy assisting that top decision maker um, and, and being a part of his, helping him and her to think and vet their thoughts. And so how I got into HR is that one of those executives said to me, um, well, let me say this, the organization, I was in a company, a biotech company, and what happened was the CEO got fired and I was at CEO's executive assistant. And, you know, executive assistant jobs vary from uh, strictly assisting that executive, uh, executive, all the way to, you know, having some other operational duties. And so what happened when my CEO got fired is that I took on more and more operational work. And matter of fact, I reported to the chairman of the company, and I handled all the aspects that had nothing to do with the science part of the company, because it was wow. a biotech. Yeah. Nice. And so when the new CEO got hired in, he said to me, you're not like any other executive assistant I've ever worked with. (laughs) Yeah, I'm uncomfortable asking you to arrange my travel and to do this and to do that. And so I said to him, I said, Hmm. look, I said, it's all about professional chemistry. Mm
2: -hmm. And if that's
1: not between us, I'm happy to start looking for another job while you look for another at, you know, EA. Yeah. He said to me, no, 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 no. I think you're really gifted. And I think you belong in HR. And what's interesting is my first reaction was an that was an insult (laughs) because I'm a career executive assistant. Right. Yeah. So anything else outside of that was an insult. But finally, you know, we were able to come to something. And that's how I got into HR.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That's a long story to say this is that as an executive assistant, it may be your long term career. I've met EAs that have done it for their whole career and they're fantastic at it. Yes. And they love it. Yes. I've also met other EAs. That they learn more and more about themselves, right? And they then are able to take on projects
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in their area of interest that then lead to them going into a full time role. Yes, and that's the thing to understand is to be able to listen to ourselves when we have consistent, long term dissatisfaction with what we're doing. Right. That those are signals. And we need to listen to that and not fall into becoming toxic. Yeah because if we can pay attention to that, then we are in a place, a fantastic place to start those little shifts. That's right. That bring us into another body of work.
0: Yeah, I run into that often and quite serendipitous. I had a great uh, call this morning with a candidate who applied to a role I'm working on and looking through her resume, which was a bit lean, so I had to make some healthy assumptions to fill in some gaps, but I was hoping during the call she would elevate my initial impression and she sure did. She wanted to do project management, but she knows the EA role. And so we go with a channel of comfort. And she had done just a little bit of project management, but then because she couldn't articulate that that's the channel she wanted to travel to expand her career, to your point, like doing things that are really great with our talents, it was at the end of the call she said, Oh my gosh, I realized I don't want this EA role. I really want to be in project management. And that was great. And I kind of told her a story of one of my good friends who's an EA who just sort of quote retired from the EA profession. She's got 17 years. She's moving into project management. I'm hosting a woman who also has the same story for another episode and it's paying attention. And you just touched on it. It so nicely paying attention to where our gifts are. Mm -hmm. And then to your point, which is great, I'm sure we'll cover it in a bit more detail later with your challenge blockers the toxic. Um, when you think about where you've traveled in your career, next question, kind of in hindsight, what would be some advice you would have given your younger self?
1: So, you know, since this is about the Enneagram, I will say that I'm an Enneagram six,
0: six. Okay. Good to know. Thank you.
1: So my emotional energy is fear.
0: Mm. And what I would
1: say to my younger self is fear does not protect you.
0: Good. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Fear does not protect you.
1: Fear does not protect you. It is only a signal. Oh, I love it.
2: Right? Yeah. That's and so,
1: great. yeah. So stop when you get that signal, and just ref- you know, and really reflect and 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 digest. Mm-hmm. Versus thinking that acting on the fear is going to protect you. It doesn't.
0: No, it doesn't. And definitely in 2020 and 2021, there's a a sort of a tone within the air. I said to someone the other day, it's so thick. I think we could machete through the thickness in the air on this word fear that you used. Yes. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. That's a great way to put it. And I like how you chose the word signal um, to you know paying attention to these signals these markers i did a podcast episode habits goals and boundaries and it kind of talks about sort of some natural habits that are not healthy habits yeah. um so that's great that you brought that up and i'm glad you you know teed up this enneagram part which i'm very excited to learn you're a 6 i'm a 6 uh i'm a i'm a 3 with i guess a supporting 8 Okay, I'm saying
1: that right. <laughs> well, if, if you're talking about, it, it depends in what context, right? Because the enneagram is comprehensive and deep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, when you say eight, you know, is that your one of your dominant? Auto-pilot. I think
0: the three is the dominant, but I tell people often I'm a lowercase type A okay. <laughs> versus an uppercase. So I do believe that the three is my primary. So maybe yes. for those new to Enneagram, if you would describe who a three is, which would be myself, and then describe a six. Let's give that little tease of those two numbers of I believe it's eight numbers or nine numbers in the Enneagram. Nine numbers. Nine, yeah, the Enneagram you.
1: has nine numbers. Okay. So the three is called the competitive achiever. Okay. Yes, and <laughs> um okay. And the 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 gift, every type has a gift. And when I say a gift, I mean like a superpower. Mm. And so it's a superpower for that type that is exponential versus I could have I could have some of your gift but not at the degree that you have. And so the superpower of a 3 is efficiency and planning. Yes. And and the the you could call it the biggest trigger for a three is anybody that they perceive as standing in the way of their plan or their efficiency. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm laughing at myself. Yes. In a good um, way. In a good way. In a yeah. good way, yes. Um, and so yeah, threes, eights, and sevens are the most common types that you find in leadership. Mm. Okay. Well, that's that's okay? that's great. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so if you had to give a shortcut in, in how to describe that the threes are those leaders that, um, that are very goal-focused, singularly goal-focused, singularly efficiency focused, and they know how to plan things out and make it happen. And, you know, like a train, like Mm -hmm. a freight train, Mm -hmm. the eight is the leader that walks through walls. Ah. They don't believe there are obstacles
0: that's probably why the eight is secondary right. because I believe, um, I believe in that let's work through it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I like have, how you put that. Yeah.
1: They have a force. They are a force of personality, the eight. Mm. And the seven is called the enthusiastic visionary and they are the enthusiastic visionaries. They're the ones <laughs> that have lots of ideas, lots of <laughs> vision. And they turn
0: a meeting into a conversation. Yes. Keep yes, going. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> and and a, um, a self-aware seven will surround themselves with great people who can execute their vision. Mm, love it. Yeah. Right? Yes. Right. And, and then an eight, the uh, the the competitive, uh, the, the eight is, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to forget what the eight is. But anyways, the eight assembles a tribe.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And the three assembles, um, you know, when they create a team, they're going to want a team that is highly efficient, highly capable, and has a proven track record to achieve.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Beautiful. You right. said you were a six.
1: A six A six is called the loyal skeptic. Oh. We're, we're charming, we're witty, very discerning. Okay. Gifted with risk mitigation and hypervigilance.
0: Risk mitigation. That is wonderful. So do you find yourself going down the rabbit hole of a ton of options for researching to then approach to the risk mitigation option?
1: So what happens with, um, with a six is that we constantly are on, we're constantly scanning the environment for risk and danger. Mm -hmm. And what we get lost in, especially when we're not healthy, Mm-hmm. Especially if we're stressed out, is we get lost in mitigating every potential risk and danger. Oh. Even though it's not happening.
0: Right, right. Is there right? sometimes a false narrative that begins to uh, pop up w- with that because of the overthinking, or as I've just been describing lately, productive worrying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, we each have a narrative that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And the narrative for a six is if I am not prepared with options and solutions for the potential danger, I am not safe oh. because, because I'm driven to be safe and secure and supported. Mm-hmm. For the three, the competitive achiever, it is I am what I do. And if I don't do, I have no value
0: oh yeah
1: right and so the narrative is I must do I must be able to continue to achieve and here's the thing that's so interesting about the three is that as soon as you achieve you move on you don't even stop to celebrate oh
0: <laughs> I will own that but this morning on a call I practiced celebration so okay <laughs> I'm working on it
1: that's I'm awesome. working that's on awesome. it yeah now of course these are all thumbnails right of it's course yes each each. So the thing to understand is that your ability to be efficient and to plan and to have a goal to achieve, it is in the context of your values, your life experience and the society you grew up in.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: if I was to sit another 3 next to you, they would they would also want to, you know, what I do is who I am, but in a different realm than you. Yeah. Does that make
0: sense? It really does. And when I I actually mentioned this in another episode, 20 questions with me is, you know, what would be advice I'd give my younger self? And I realized actually in answering that question in real time, my final thought was I would tell her everything's going to be okay. Yes. Because to your point, I had very interesting experiences in my childhood, my teens, and my 20s. And a lot of that is still with me today, but in a healthy way to continue moving about through my story yes. um, and so on, which is a great segue. You said it on the phone call that we had a bit ago planning for this time together. You talked about understanding your core motivation and driver And you mentioned the two words, which I mentioned a moment ago, challenge blockers. Can you walk us through that, please? Because it was very impressive and I loved it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And so what we just talked about is an example of that. Mm -hmm. The Enneagram differentiates itself because it doesn't talk about, it's not an assessment that tells you your behavior. That's what 90, that's what the majority of the other assessments do. What the Enneagram answers is this, what drives me? That I am feeding, both productively and unproductively, both consciously and unconsciously, right? And so, you know, for for a three, the driver is, um, I must look good, I must achieve. Mm-hmm. For a six, it's I need to be safe, I need to be secure, I need to be supported. And so, everything that we do is to feed that core driving motivation. And we're not always conscious of it because what's so interesting is we are more conscious of our behavior than what drives our behavior. And when you, you know, you opened with saying that right now with COVID, there's an environment of fear. That alone shuts down our ability to really think about why am I doing this, Mm -hmm. right? What is driving me to do this? And, And it layers. Yeah. So so the Enneagram peels it down and says, here is your motivational driver, right? Hen, you need to be safe, secure, and supported. Now, the question is, what is my life context? Mm. What does it mean to be safe, secure, and supported? So let's, let's use this as an example. Halani, when you hear that, how do you translate being safe? Let's just take that word. What does it mean to you to be safe?
0: To be safe is to have, um, oh, self-awareness, um, when I'm driving, you know, and I'm teaching my 15 year old how to drive. So it's first thing that comes to mind, like looking at all the mirrors, recognizing, which I actually said to my son, I said, people that drive fast cars and pickup trucks drive different than us sedan drivers and many SUVs. And now he's been picking up on that. And so collecting information from my surrounding Uh, And also as an executive assistant, which everyone listening can relate to, that anticipatory ability of where my executive might be going next, what's the team going to need next, gives me a sense of safety of I can still show up, I can still have, to your point, a planning mindset. So collecting information, uh, which I believe also can be a curse, um, is how I perceive being safe.
1: Okay. My definition of safety is financial safety.
0: Right? Okay. Yeah. So it's right? it's not that one is better than the other, but it's of course in, independent. It's, yeah. It's my
1: context because That's when right. I was when I was growing up, I had periods of 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 poverty. I had periods yeah. of uh, my parents had periods where they were bankrupt. There mm-hmm. were periods where they had lots of money, right? Mm-hmm. And so that informed my core driving motivation that safety is having money. Mm -hmm. And the same time when I was a VP of HR, and I took a company public, I had a lot of money, I was making a lot of money. Yeah, here's the irony. I still didn't feel safe.
0: Isn't that interesting? Because I have a very similar background to what you just mentioned, single mom, one child myself, and it was financially struggling. And through the years, I've had that. um, And it's interesting that you share that because I can relate to that. Yeah. which also helps you understand where someone might be coming from with their driver.
1: Exactly. As you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, so the one thing to understand here is that even though you satisfy your driver, it is it, it's never satisfied. And so mm-hmm. that's why knowing your core driving motivation is so important, because then you know why you're doing something. And then you can pause and say, is this productive? Yeah. Not whether or not, <laughs> right. not whether or not it feeds it, but is it productive? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, and so here's the thing, imagine you're, you are, imagine you are managing a team of executive assistants mm-hmm. and you know, because you've had deep relationship with this one that her drive to excel isn't really about excelling, but it is about this need to be financially secure. Mm -hmm. And so when the company perhaps isn't performing well, imagine how you can help her to be healthy in that environment when that would directly hit her motivation Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or imagine what an executive assistant like that would do if she was unhealthy and didn't believe that she had financial security in this environment and, and that her performance was eroding
0: so great and i wrote it down right before you told that wonderful example we we need to talk more yes and that i believe is a constant hurdle especially when i'm talking to which isn't you know a highly populated female industry as an admin a lot of these times there which i also talk about the island in which we all live makes yes. us feel alone yes. and it's unfortunate which is where for the work i'm doing especially with this podcast bringing out conversations to Be motivated to, like you just actually mentioned. And I was on the phone with a woman on Monday who's leading a team of admins. She's in a different state, though. And so, how truly, even though, yes, a lot of us are working remote and in an office, is she truly getting alone time to give them that safe space to be able to maybe speak about some of their concerns? Um, And that's a great segue to the next question, because I'm sure some of the listeners might be saying now, I love all of this. Where do I start? to figure out and uncover my core drivers.
1: So there's two ways to do it. Um one way is to do your own self study.
0: Mm, which is so sometimes painful, but yes, it, please it is, please inspire it is, us.
1: It is painful, but there's a lot of people, uh, there's a lot more people that encounter the Enneagram and do a self study by reading um and by, you know, and and I'll give you three great resources that are completely free and their websites one is called the Integrative Enneagram, all right? One is called the, the Enneagram Institute. And then the third one is the Worldwide Enneagram. And the reason why I point those out is that they are, they are Enneagram schools and they, they are very, very good. And they incorporate um, practitioners and scientists in the social sciences and behavioral science area. Now, there's a lot of Enneagram when you type into the the internet, but those three are the best. And everything else can be a little bit wonky or a little bit too mystical, but those three are really great. So start off and and do your own self-study and learn about yourself. And so there's an advantage to doing that. It may take a little longer depending on how much time you want to invest in that And, and then do that. And then the other route is working with someone like me who uses a very comprehensive, reliable and validated Enneagram assessment that can give you a customized debrief and and help you to be able to understand about yourself and then how to continue to grow in that understanding of yourself. And I want to touch back a little bit about, you know, you know if you're managing the example of if you're managing any um you know, Executive admins, here's the thing about the enneagram. It builds empathy and compassion for mm. you and for others.
0: So true. I couldn't agree more. So and, true.
1: And so, if that. you if you understand that you see the world the way you are, not the way the world is, yeah, then when there's that misalignment, it's not about there's something wrong here. It is about what do I get to learn here about myself and this other person? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the piece about the Enneagram that is so incredibly wonderful is that as we learn about ourselves, we can have empathy and compassion for ourselves. And then we can have empathy and compassion for others. And I
0: am a huge empath, I think also driven by my life experiences and trying to put also protective barriers around that empath uh, component of me is we can become very drained very quickly being an empath, which for some of the assistants I've talked to who have, and I don't mean to be, you know, aggressive with this next word choice, but who have hardened themselves to pro- as a protective um, exercise so that they don't have so much empathy um, can actually be a negative return, as you spoke very early on, a toxic. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, how great it is to be an empath, how learning this and having this compassion um, does help people actually get to a better place versus feeling broken down?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, because as an executive assistant, your first and primary charter is to support the success of the executive that you support. That's right. And then then the secondary charter is to support their team and to create that alignment between that leader and his team or her team. And also at times you find yourself being the glue. Yeah, I see that, yeah. Now here's the thing is for you, Halani, as a type three, you sit in the heart triad. Mm. Two threes and fours are in the heart triad. And so that when you say you're an empath, that's where it comes from. And so for impasse, there is this place where your boundaries, if you're healthy, you have great boundaries, because you will end up over helping to the point where you drain yourself. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: there's, the, the set, there's another triad called the heart, head triad. These are individuals that are in the thinking, that's your, your five, six and sevens. And so you experience the world through actually analysis and thought. And then you feel. And so then there's this delayed emotional reaction that's very common with the head triad. Now, if you're a head triad, um, you know, it. things are going to hit you through your analysis. And so it's a different kind of a drain. And the opportunity there is to be able to feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you can't feel, you're going to miss signals from other people who need you to respond in the feeling side of it. Mm-hmm. And then there is the body triad. That's the eight nines and ones. And the body triads are so interesting because they experience everything first as a gut reaction. Ah. And so, can you imagine every day being constantly flooded by gut reaction? And so yes, for, I can, as
0: I'm an eight, also. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And so yeah. the thing there is about when we, when we, when we distill this down, Hilani, it's about well-being. Mm, I love that. Yeah, the heart triad needs to sp- spend time in creative outlets. The the head triad uh, needs to spend time in quiet reflection. And the body triad needs to have time every day in physical activity. That will bring us to health. And that will bring us to more compassion and empathy with ourselves. Uh, this is really important. There's just a couple of things that I'm going to say during this podcast. If I get please. to say, that, yes, please. That you can forget everything else I say, but I want you to remember this one thing. The level to which we have empathy and compassion for ourselves equals the level of compassion and empathy we will have for others. Mm. We will never have em- more empathy and compassion for others than we have for ourselves. So we must. Build that for ourselves before we can extend that to other people.
0: That is so powerful. And it's interesting. I heard a profound example. The way that we would jump up to help someone who has fallen and is crying or injured, we should be returning that to how we should be helping ourselves. And I have kids. And so when I, you know, observe the fall, there is a small delayed reaction. Are they okay or not? But, you know, your heart starts racing. And to your point of the gut being a number eight, I'm quickly, and then to the point of what makes me safe, as I described, like I'm assessing the situation aggressively. What's going on? What is the detail? Is there blood? And so on. And I need to be doing that on myself. And I'm 41 now, almost 42. And I've talked about the importance of recognizing. And you said two great words I love. And I haven't said this before, but I probably will now because you've inspired me to that well-being. And a lot of the admins do identify who they are through the quality and purpose of their work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they, and I said it in another episode, they forget about themselves. And that's one of the big things I want to keep drilling in as often as possible in these conversations for them to hear. Remember you. hmm Yeah. So that was wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad that you brought that up. Did you have a second one attached to that, that you said that you want to share? That's kind of of the same vein.
1: Well, if we, if, I mean, if there's an opportunity for it, I'll, I'll, I'll say it.
0: Okay. Um, when you think about learning and we'll kind of go to that executive coaching that you do, you know, miscommunication, (laughs) what is the first question you encourage people to ask themselves when they want to take this journey? Right. Cause I can already get a, a thought that others are going to be overwhelmed. Right. So what is some advice that you have for kind of having that internal dialogue? Let's do this and actually do it, which goes to, time that will be required, like hitting the treadmill, doing your Pilates that has a physical return as well as well-being. Tell us how this plays into that well-being and how we should encourage those to start taking this journey and possibly with you as someone that's guiding them.
1: (laughs) So miscommunication, oh my word, Uh, as an executive assistant, you know, it happens all the time every day and there are little ones and then there are huge ones. And it happens not only with the executive that we're supporting, but it also happens with their team. And I would say the team ones may be even more um, more volatile, right? Because we can sometimes, uh, you know, feel that disrespect behind that, right? Or a waste of our time. Um, and so, you know, that miscommunications can become a really big thing. The first thing to do when a miscommunication a- happens is to actually pause mm-hmm. and take a deep breath.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then listen to our own narrative. What am I saying is the truth behind this?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then what we do next is, and how do I believe that hits me at my core driver? That's so powerful.
0: So powerful.
1: And then the last question, the last thing to do is to say, what do I know is true here? And then, and then decide on action. Um, Because, okay, here's the second nugget. Okay, good. Ready? (laughs) Yeah. So there's a woman called Cy Wakeman. She studies drama, not in theater, but drama at work. So she's a drama researcher for work. And this is what she found. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have our brain as she makes it simple, very simple. We have a down toggle and an up toggle. When we have a down toggle, we go to our low self. And when we, when we flip to the high toggle, we go to our high self. This is where we're creative. We see options. We see opportunities. We can take action. And this is our best self. And our low self is fight, fly, you know, fight, uh, fright, you know, freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when we gossip. This is when we vent. Uh, this is when we feel threatened. So, do you know what toggles us from low to high? Do tell. Self reflection.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Self reflection. We not. We cannot. We not only can do this for ourselves. We can do this for the people around us, and we do this by coaching, Mm
2: -hmm. coaching
1: up, coaching horizontally, Mm -hmm. right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And we do this by asking questions. Uh, Let's see, here's a question. Um, What do you think is the unintended message from this action?
0: What do I think the unintended message is from this action?
1: Right, when you're when your leader is about to take an action, right? you can ask that question that puts them into reflection mm-hmm. how do you think people will respond to this mm-hmm. right those kinds of questions will put will help someone to pause and to reflect yeah right yeah. and then this is where they have the opportunity to toggle from their low self to their high self but we can do this first for ourselves.
0: So for those listening, she just gave you permission to pause. (laughs) Um, And I love the insight to the down and up toggle. I also want to add, and I'd love your feedback, either countering or complimenting. A lot of the times executive assistants believe that they need to be very quick to respond because if they pause, it shows that they're either not prepared they're not intelligent enough, or they're slipping in their role. So when we think about the power of the pause, right? Let's put it, spin it for the positive. Not like, oh my god, I have to pause. I don't know the answer. And I see this a lot when I'm have candidates interviewing. They're afraid to pause to think of their answer, and always say, "Take a minute, take your time, talk to us about the power of pause" to inspire the listeners that it is actually a power move, not a. Um, Insecure move.
1: Oh, the power of the pause. Oh, my word. I can um, put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I mean, it's very powerful. And here's the thing about the pause you can use the pause to slow down what you know is going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: can use the pause so that you can be more intentional. You can use the pause in a strategic way. And here's the way to use this. Here's the way you can do this. I would like to take some time to think about this because I believe the impact of this is a lot larger than what we think it's going to be. So would it be okay if I had fill in the blank um, this amount of time, and then I can come back to you. I want to gather some information before I respond to you on this.
0: My favorite. I'm all right? in, uh, I con- I concur to what you just said, absolutely. And the power of that sentence, and, and I hear this a lot from my EAs that I've placed and the leaders that I've worked with, they actually love that, even though we think they're going to be turned off. Because what it says is, I can trust you, Halani, the assistant, to now go out and collect more information, right? When we think of those leaders that are that number Um, what did you say on the last one? I'm scrolling with my seven, uh, visionary, but also probably, uh, that brain triad, uh, five, six, and sevens when they get more information to digest and then make a decision, they aren't being reactive. And I know so many assistants that are listening to this going, Oh, I've got a reactive one. I'm raising my hand. How can we manage up to help as you said wonderfully let's slow down for just a moment we don't want to make the wrong decision we do actually have time um and this is where it's just so wonderful when we can be rapid thinkers but take advantage of the pause that's beautiful right. i love that well, anything else yeah if,
1: if you're working for an 8 that force of nature that force of personality you know they take a long time to get to their decision but once they get to their decision it's almost impossible to move them off their decision. And now you have got Superman that's going to fly through that mountain, literally, mm-hmm. not figuratively, literally. Mm-hmm. And so now you're standing there and they're, they have a question at you. They're ready to move or they want you to move or do something. And you know, you're know you like a deer in headlight, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ask a question.
0: hmm hmm Yeah. And that's a, that is a move that is to many a risk especially if they're in a role where they haven't operated, and I won't say behave, operated in that fashion. And when I'm talking to assistants who I have placed that are, you know, having their review or, you know, looking to get a a meeting on the calendar with their executive on like just talking about how things are going. Yes, I believe, and I'd love to hear your insight. Yes, you can pivot right? I try to avoid the word change because change freaks people out. We don't always have to change. Um, We want to pivot or we want to evolve. Tell me what you think about taking that micro risk to start maybe using some of these strategies, which is the pause that a lot of assistants may not do. Um, Talk to us briefly about taking that pause, which is taking that risk.
1: So here's the thing. You have to have that trust with your with the leader.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Full stop. That's the baseline. Now there are times where that leader is moving like a freight train and they're forgetting that you have proven to them over and over again that you are about their success and that you can be trusted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if we're talking about those times, right, then you know your leader best and you know what is going to help them To slow down and give you the room to do what you need to do. And so it's really dependent on that relationship. If you work for this individual and the trust is hard and they're not trusting you, then I would suggest that you learn about your Enneagram so that you can understand your behaviors that might be coming across to them, but they can't trust. 100%.
0: Absolutely. And I talk about trust in my coaching. So I like that you brought that up.
1: Yep. Yeah. And if you have worked for this person over time, six, nine months, 12 months, and that trust isn't there, whether it's on your part or on their part, then I respectfully encourage you to look for a different opportunity.
2: Mm -hmm. Because
1: as an executive assistant, you know this leader's behavior probably like the back of your hand. Now you may not know what drives them, but you know their behavior. And in, in nine to 12 months at the max, maybe at the minimum, depending on the role and the scope, there needs to be that deep trust, so that when you say, "I need a moment," they're like, "This, oh my God, Hen's asking for a moment. I absolutely will give her that moment."
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right.
1: And yeah. if in and, and if they still railroad you and go over you, right, then what you have to do is you have to take that deep deep breath and say, "I will be there to help them reflect when this fails."
0: Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Excellent. Not
1: to, not to sabotage it. Right. Right. No. And, and this
0: is where leader assistants struggle with that. They have a a sense of power and I will use power appropriately to leverage and capitalize on because they're supporting so much with the executive. Why not set the precedent that we're gonna pause, which then the executive over time, kind of like a child, excuse the term, you know, you practice something seven to eight to nine times, it becomes natural, which I wrote up in my notes here earlier, uh, which um, taking on a new habit, which is some of the things that we're talking about, takes time. Mm -hmm. Uh, 66 consecutive days of one single habit is when it becomes natural. And they often say too, pair a new habit with a natural positive habit. And then the moment you do that natural positive habit, for example, when I get up in the morning, I'm stretching, then I reward myself with coffee. So if I go to get coffee, I actually feel slightly like, oh, I didn't stretch yet. Okay, well, I'll do three minutes of stretching instead of 10. But you still do it. And it's a habit and it's the self-care into yourself. Um And so we should just, I say that to inspire the listeners. You do have some potential. I know it might be frustrating if you think you don't, but take yourself out of that negative don't. And could I truly actually make a change or make a difference? And I truly believe you guys can. Uh, my gosh, this has been such an amazing conversation. Any closing thoughts for us? Oh, gee, let's see. (laughs) I'm sure there's so much. One more good piece
1: of wisdom. Um, so, you know, the thing that I have carried in my life and I continue to munch through is this and stay with me here is love, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, Mm -hmm. your mind, your soul and body and love your neighbor as yourself. And the key here, I want to emphasize for this audience is, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you don't respect yourself, you're not going to be able to do it. For your neighbor, which is your, your manager, his team or her team, um, your colleagues, your teammates, your best friend, your husband, your child, your dog, whatever it is, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And the emphasis here is, do you love yourself?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Do you believe in yourself? Um, are you investing in yourself? Are you realizing the impact that you have on other people every day everything you do is significant. You are not invisible. And you have a great charter and a calling in this work that you do. And although you may support one leader and two team members or just the leader himself, understand that through that leader, you are impacting that whole organization. So it is a holy calling. Don't forget that. Mm.
0: Uh, If you guys were here with us, you'd see me like aggressively nodding to every beautiful thing that she just closed on. And at the end of all the podcast episodes, there's a closing tag that I say that is, remember, you get up for you every day, do things for you, your executive and your organization. And remember, it's all worth it. And so I love that you said that because it's just another confirmation for these listeners that spend this time with me and each of my guests that you do deserve attention And maybe, you know, starting in a micro fashion, but you're absolutely right. And I love that you closed on that. You gave me goosebumps because we do make an impact. And while some days may seem groundhog, some days may seem like you're juggling a ton of glass balls and then rubber balls and just trying to manage it all that kind of work, which by the way, we all agree. We all love it, right? We might complain about it, but we do. We love it. And that's why we're in this kind of profession. And even though I've left it, I'm still very much operating of the same for my EA candidates and my clients that, um, it is all worth it and we do love it. And, um, this has just been such a wonderful discussion. I'm so glad that you were able to spend some time with me. So thank you so much, uh, for giving, uh, me all of this time, almost 45 minutes for everyone to be able to listen to this great conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Hilani, for this honor. Truly. One last
0: thing. As I realize this, tell everyone where they can find you and I'll have in the show notes uh, links to connect with you.
1: Thank you, Helani. Um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn and on my website, the young com.
0: Perfect. Thanks again. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Helani.
0: I don't even know where to begin. We covered so much. Thought provoking, laughter, and just great conversation. Remember. You're the reason you get up every day and work as hard as you do. Do things for you, your executive, and your organization. And remember, it's all worth it.